Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Defender podcast. We are coming to you from the greatest country in the world, deep in the heart of the Lone Star State, Dallas, Texas. I am your host, Paul Aguilar. Please make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, hit the bell icon so you never miss an episode in the future. Uh, also hit that thumbs up button as well. Uh, that also helps us with the YouTube algorithms. Um, please follow us on Twitter uh, at Defender Podcast, on Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast. And if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, especially for our guests or myself, guests or topic recommendations, you can email us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Um, our next guest is a field investigator for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, a ghost hunter, paranormal researcher, and the author of 26 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. Several of his books have been Amazon UFO bestsellers. His latest one, On Board UFO Encounters, is a great read. I just mentioned to him that I was reading it all night. Um, his research has also been presented in the LA Times, the LA Daily News, the Dallas Morning News, shout out to Big D, and other newspapers. Uh, Preston Dennett began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. Since then, he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest, Preston Dennett. Preston Dennett, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Like I just mentioned to you before we started recording, uh, Set up all night reading your book. I'm about halfway done. Um, I don't sleep much, so uh, it was pretty good company um, throughout the night. But um, it's a real good book. I, it's, I mean, I'm about a little more halfway through with the book right now. Um, some crazy stories. Um, but yeah, so from there, I mean, one, one of the main things I wanted to ask is right off the bat is, so you have all these people, so like you mentioned in the book, all these stories have never been heard before. They're all new stories. Um, now, when it comes to like new stories that have never been heard or like, you know, no one's ever explained these stories to anybody, how is it that you come about finding people like that? I mean, do they reach out to you like in confidence or do you find people that know people because just kind of run down the, you know, the grapevine? How does that work for you? Uh, different ways. I've been in this field for a long time now. So, uh, Geez, 35 years. Hmm, yeah. Uh, so I do have a bit of a network out sure. there. Uh, initially, that's the first cases came from family and friends and coworkers. Sure. And that was enough. Uh, but as far as, you know, this book, I, I do have a number of people reach out to me, sometimes through my website, right. sometimes from books I read, from doing podcasts like these, uh, conventions. Right. Uh, occasionally, they're referred. Uh, one case for example, came from a friend of my sister's who worked at the Renaissance Fair. Okay. And uh, I ended up, you know, becoming friends. I worked there for a year. Right, right. And uh, he found out I investigated this stuff. And so he, that's how I got that story. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I mean, UFOs, you know, things like that. When it comes to UFOs, a lot of people, you know, don't really like to come out and say that they've seen UFOs or, you know, they've been abducted. I mean, it's, they, you know, just out of fear of being ridiculed or, you know, saying that you're crazy or, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't exist. So I can imagine it's probably kind of hard to find people sometimes, um, you know, even if, you know, they've been taking, you know, stuff like that more than a few times, um, you know, they just don't want to tell their story out, you know, have it out in front of everybody and then just have everybody think that they're crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I can imagine it's 
it's kind of hard to get stories like that, especially from, you know, from people you don't know, because they don't know you, you don't know them, you know, they don't know what you're going to think about them, you know, stuff like that. I think it's probably a lot more common than a lot of people realize in terms of, you know, how many people are being taken on board. Sure. Because I was surprised that I'm able to find these stories. Yeah. Uh, and I first heard about, you know, abductions right up, right when I started investigating this stuff. And there was a quote from J. Allen Hynek. Now, he's the guy from Project Blue Book, right? Uh, who kind of defected and became a major leader in this field. Uh, and he said one in 40 people have had an onboard experience. Wow. Yeah, and that's what I thought. I'm like, no way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, that's when I really started doing my research. This was sure. very early on I heard that. And I, I didn't have to ask 40 people. Right, right. I, I didn't. So I do think it's a lot more common. I think most researchers will tell you that. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, I remember also when I was reading the book, you, at the beginning, you kind of, it kind of seemed as if though, I mean, I mean, we all start off as some kind of a skeptic at first, but from what I got from the book, you kind of didn't really believe in it at all until you actually spoke with like, you know, your relatives or other people that you knew, did you kind of, ever have any kind of interest in it whatsoever? You just thought it was all, all kind of crazy stuff out there. Yeah. I thought you were on drugs or <laughs> just a flat out liar. Sure. Um, you know what I mean? I just didn't believe it. Yeah. I had my own reasons. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, the stars are too far away. Sure. You know, people are reporting aliens that look like they're from out of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, and that bothered me. Mm -hmm. and I just was kind of repulsed by the whole field. I have to tell you, I really was. Sure. Uh, but to hear, you know, people I've loved and trusted and known for years and years tell me this stuff yeah. uh, was not good news. Uh, it really shook me up. And it took me a good year of digging into this to say, okay, this is real. Sure. I know because I know my friends aren't lying. I mean, these are people in my family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't believe in it, but I sure do now. I, I've seen, you know, some unexplained stuff myself. Right. Uh, I know it's real. There's no doubt in my mind. Sure. And having talked to, I mean, this, this is my 26th book. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, I, I know it's real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet. You heard some real stories <laughs> out there. <laughs> No, yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, like you like you say, when when you speak to somebody that you know that you trust, you know they. I mean, I'm sure everybody out there is, has at least a story or two from you know a relative, maybe your aunt, your sister, your brother, you know anybody that have had some kind of encounter of some kind, whether it be UFOs, ghosts, or you know anything what you know that's out there. Um, uh, that's what I always tell people. If you don't believe in this stuff, I challenge you yeah. <laughs> to ask your family yeah. or, you know, whoever your family is, your friends, people you love and trust. I dare you. Yeah. Uh, and I think they'll be shocked to find out that, at least, you know, some people are hiding this stuff from you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, you know, they, they don't want to be the ones that, uh, sound crazy in front of everybody. It's, it's, I mean, I, I know for sure. I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen any kind of UFO that I can say for certain that that's what it was. But, um, you know, I, during my time when I was just in the military, I was actually in the Navy. So, you know, you would see things like on the water, you know, stuff like that, that you couldn't explain. Um, I'm pretty sure there was something out there. I just, I never got any kind of proof of, you know, what it was, but 
yeah, you see a lot of things and you've talked to a lot of people. It seems more, um, I don't know what it is about people like in the military, uh, but a lot of people that I know that are in the military have a lot of crazy stories, not just UFOs, but just a lot of things that they've seen. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that I know that have been to Afghanistan, they, you know, they not only see like UFOs, but they see like, uh, cryptids, you know, things like that, like in the mountains out there, um, things that they can't explain, you know, things that they hear, they hear footsteps and all kinds of crazy things. It's, it's, you know, it's out there. It seems to be in my experience, more of the people that I know that are like in the military and stuff like that. Um, do you find I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure it runs the gamut, you know, between people that are in the military and people that are, but do you have any, is it more people that come from the military that have more stories or crazier stories or is it just everybody like in a whole? Uh, there's definitely a military connection there, I think, right. because UFOs do seem to show an interest in military stuff. Right. I've, t- I've talked to a number of military witnesses and you know, it's a question I always ask people now who are like having onboard experiences. Do you have military in the family? Right. Uh, because, you know, there is a cover up. It's demonstrable. I think our military knows more about this than they're revealing to the public. Sure. Uh, uh, but I mean, I know, if, for example, one guy I talked to, Ray Sachs, uh, is his name. He's now retired. He's like, he was an electrician's mate on the USS Klamagor. Okay. Uh, which actually did carry nuclear missiles. It was, you know, not publicly known at the time. This is sure. 1971. Right. And, and they're he- heading up the East Coast. You know, they're off the East Coast of the U.S. at night, you know, several miles off the coast, 12 knots or so, uh, when this object shows up underwater, a USO, right? right? And it's pretty big. It's coming right up next to this thing, way too close for any sort of craft. Uh, they can't quite tell how deep it is. The captain, the commander is like, all right, you know, what did the sonar guys see? Uh, they didn't, weren't picking it up at mm-hmm. all. Ray Sachs, the guy I talked to, he was on lookout with another petty officer. Mm-hmm. The commander was, you know, on the deck as well as the second in command. And one by one, all the major officers came up to take a look at this thing because they wanted to see it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just this big glowing thing, 30, 40 feet across very bright uh and kept pace with the clamagor for about 15 minutes and then just zipped off it it approached from the stern at like just under 100 knots and left at like 80 or so in another direction and uh you know ray ray told me all about this and he says yeah the second in command turns to the commander and says how do you want me to record this in the log <laughs> and the commander, Commander Boyne, I figured out who it was, uh, turns to the second in command and says, uh, officers who report this kind of thing do not move up in rank. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't recorded. Yeah. You know, and this is sort of the pattern I've, I've heard about in other cases. I was talking about this on another show, and there was a Navy guy. He's like, yeah, describe something very similar. Yeah, it's definitely, um, <clears throat> they definitely hold... I mean, when it comes to those logbooks and things like that, they, you know, they get audited quite frequently. Um, and they, it, you know, they, they come down on whoever's in charge that night or whoever's in charge of, of the ship or whoever's first, you know, first, second command. And it doesn't go well. Like you said, uh, a lot of people that have those kind of experiences that are officers and they're, you know, out there, uh, they report any kind of stuff like that. That's just out of the ordinary. You know, they think you're crazy. You're just unfit to 
to be in command and be in charge of other sailors or, you know, whoever. So, yeah, I mean, who knows what's been left out, like stories that we don't know, um, you know, because of that, because maybe the captain or whoever doesn't want to report it because, you know, they don't want to lose their job. So it's, I mean, there's probably stories out there that we haven't even heard of yet because of that. Yeah. Well, one guy who's in the book, uh, Kim Cannon, uh, he was in the military mm-hmm. and he had an experience in 1994, he had recently retired, but he worked, uh, gosh, for special forces as a mechanic okay. and, uh, you know, got some awards for it and so on. But at any rate, had an experience where he, he was in his home here in, or where was it? It was in Illinois, okay. uh, Bourbonnet, Illinois, and wakes up and there's grays, you know, gray aliens surrounding yeah. his bed. So this is 1994. He knows what grays are, uh, but has never had an experience. You know, did see a UFO while in the military with a bunch of other people, but it was way off there in right. the distance. And so these grays are around his bed. He recognizes them because they're very short. You know, the typical gray you hear, but large, dark eyes, very pale skin, large head, no hair, uh, very small nose and mouth. Right. And said, don't be afraid. Come with us. <laughs> nope. And he, he says he was very obedient, felt no fear. And uh, which happens in these cases, people don't react like you think you'd react. Right. Uh, and they took him out into the living room and the wall to the back half of his house was missing. It was like a hole in the house kind of, right. or it had turned transparent. Uh, so this is another thing we see. And they pulled him right out into the backyard and there was a large craft right over the, the house there, 30, 40, 50 feet up, circular, colored lights, you're pretty much your classic flying saucer. Right. Um, he's pulled on board. Next thing he knows, he's inside and he's being physically examined. Instruments are coming down. There's gray figures around him. Uh, he's getting a little nervous because one's coming for his eyeball. Hmm. And uh, so he starts, does feel some fear. Right and wakes up and he's back in bed and there's this triangle scratched into his arm, indented, about one inch on each side, very prominent. You know, he calls his wife, she works at the local hospital and it's like, come home, you know, she's on the night shift uh, and she does come home and she comforts him, believes him, you know, he's obviously telling the truth. So he decides he's gonna go to the hospital. You know, he's got insurance and go to the veterans hospital and does. And the doctor, he told the soul story, perfectly honest, you know, gray aliens and all. And the doctor didn't bat an eye, <laughs> you know, <laughs> looked at the mark and said, well, listen, you know, it's obviously not psychosomatic. Uh, you can either accept it or not. You know, those right. are your two choices. <laughs> I suggest accepting it and moving on. So that's what he did. Man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's um, especially when it comes to like any kind of military hospitals and things like that. It's, I don't know. There's a big, there's a big issue with, with, with that kind of stuff. I wouldn't, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, especially when you're in the military, it's just one of those things that you just kind of never go to the doctor for anything because, you know, they'll, they just put you kind of like, um, not like on leave, but they, they take you off duty for everything. Every like any kind of thing that you have that's hurting or maybe you have like a headache or this and that it's just kind of like widely known when you're in the military, just don't go to medical because they'll take you off duty or they'll take you this off of you, blah, blah, blah. And it does make a big deal about it. So I can only imagine 
um, going to medical when it comes to seeing like UFOs and things like that, did they just stick you? They ship so, you off somewhere. Yeah, somewhere else, they do. you're just gone. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, because they, I mean, they do it for like the smallest things already, and that kind of stuff is just, you know, out there. And it's, yeah. I mean, one of the other stories that you had in the book, um, when, it, when it comes to military, is the case of Ramon. Um, that was a fascinating story. Um, would you mind giving a little detail about that story? Uh, yeah, his is one of the more involved cases, I guess, would be a good word. Right. Uh, I'm very complicated. Uh, because he was having experiences since age, geez, it was five. And, you know, he was born in around 1947, I believe. Right. And so 1953, six years old. That's right. Uh, he's in a government housing complex. He's in a mil- part of a military family. Uh, this is in San Fernando, California, okay. uh, not not far from L.A. And had a, a close-up sighting, uh, along with his friends and cousins. Uh, saw this thing actually land. Most all the other kids ran away. He went up to this thing and actually went inside it. Oh, man. And uh, long story short, he ended up, you know, that week being abducted three times, pulled out of his house, floated across. And this thing had landed at the base of Hanson Dam. Mm. Uh, it's a very strange story. So, I mean, he's not, this guy's now 73 years old. So this has been going on his whole life. And as a young kid, he was kind of, you know, he had a lot of UFO experiences up in Fresno. He had missing time while staying at his grandparents. Uh, but in age 17, you know, he's getting involved with gangs and drugs or trying to avoid it, right? Right. Because uh, he's in a bad neighborhood and decides, you know, wants a better direction to his life and asks his parents about joining the Marines. And they're all for it, you know. His father said, fine, just don't sign up for any special projects. Yeah. Uh, so he's just 17 right Right. so he got a waiver and boom he's assigned to camp pendleton in headquarters and service Um, and they gave him a secret clearance uh, which he thought was strange uh, especially when he heard you know superior officers talking outside his office about ufos being held in captivity Hmm. uh, in military hangars and he's like, why are they talking like that? I know outside my office, I shouldn't be hearing this. Right. Uh, but it was kind of all a setup, he thinks, uh, because what happens next is there's this sergeant and he's pulled in with a group of other Marines and volunteered, I'll put that in quotes, uh, for an assignment. Voluntold. He... <laughs> Voluntold. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. uh, he, he specifically was trying to avoid this sort of thing mm-hmm. and doesn't remember quite what happened here. Uh, so, you know, this is Camp Pendleton. There's a lot of stories coming out of Camp Pendleton about UFOs, by the way, right. and stuff like this. And this is one of them, uh, which he did not know. Uh, so he found himself on a bus with these Marines being driven to a remote location. The bus was completely blacked out with windows. You know, the windows were all blacked out and they were put through a number of roadblocks. So it was very clear this was a very secure location and took him you know, a long time to get there. Right. And uh, you know, I'm skipping over a little bit of stuff to get no, to the yeah, good part fine. here. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so they finally get there and uh, they come up to this hangar and there's that sergeant who had volunteered them for all this, pulls them into the hangar. They're each kind of taken separately and given a drug, hypnotized uh, perhaps. 
he thinks there may be some mind control going on here. He's not sure, but uh, they gave him, you know, the sedative type thing right. and questioned him and said, don't be afraid. We're going to be with you the whole time, the whole time. And they actually opened up a doorway at one point and there was this massive UFO. They opened up the giant hangar doorway and there was this classic flying saucer, very much like the one he had seen as a young kid. Right. The one, as a young kid, it was silver and shiny, and this one was kind of dull gray, but otherwise almost the same. And, uh, you know, they're all standing in rank. And they said, don't break rank. Whatever you do, don't break, don't break rank. And this sergeant marches out a number of reptilian humanoids. Mm. Now, I know, you know, I know how this sounds oh, yeah. to people <laughs> who are skeptical. I do. Uh, I was skeptical of the subject here. Reptilians is one of the type of beings people report. And uh, I get very few of them, but this is one of them. Right. And uh, there are reports of ETs and military working together, quite a lot of them. Right. Uh, And this is what Ramon reported. And he said a lot of the Marines behind him did break rank. They became very upset and disoriented and frightened and, and so on. Uh, He didn't. And one of these guys walks right up to him and says, this guy must have been seven feet tall and very muscular, had a a uniform on with a sort of dragon-like figure on an emblem. Hmm. And it didn't say much, or at least he doesn't remember. Uh, But the sergeant did seem impressed that, you know, Ruben had maintained composure. (laughs) Uh, So this was sort of the first of what turned out to be several incidents. Right. Uh, which he's still struggling to struggling to completely recall, because immediately after all this happened, they sent him right out to Vietnam uh, into you know combat service. Yeah. Uh, so it was you know yeah his case goes on from there. Yeah, it's just it's 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 I mean odd in one way, but it's it's very interesting when you mention that they were also wearing uniforms, right? Like if like if they had their own military maybe, or they were kind of, like you said before, working with the U.S. military as well. Maybe they were just like another wing, like another branch of the military. You know, they would handle like their own, you know, their own operations as well. But just just the fact that they were, that they were wearing uniforms as well. And and they had, you know, like their own patches and things like that. That was like the the one part of that story that, that I just couldn't get over. Just, you know, maybe were they working on their own? Were they working with us? Is there some kind of joint action going on? I just found that whole thing like extremely interesting. Yeah, I've often wondered if, you know, about, because there's a number of reports of greys and for that matter, human looking ETs and even praying mantis stuff with uniforms and patches right. with certain symbols on them. Uh, so, and I'm thinking that, yeah, these are military greys. Right. Uh, honestly, because when people are being abducted, often it's very cut and dry. It's a job to do. You know, there's not a whole lot of communication. Uh, there's sometimes doctor-like figures, right? Which sort of comes together with all of this. Yeah. Uh, so this is why I think people are complaining, like you know, they weren't very emotional with me. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, well, listen, you know, they were. This is a situ. They have a job to do. These are right. soldiers who are, have a very important mission. And need to get it done. Yeah. Uh, so there's no time for niceties and bedside manners. Uh, you know, there's kind of an emergency situation here. Right. Yeah. That's very. It's very interesting. That that's. So it's it's like. 
I mean, UFOs have always been kind of attached to military bases, things like that. I mean, even where I was stationed, I was in, I was in South Carolina, um, and you're right there on the river in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and you're kind of out there in the middle of nowhere, really. You're like in the woods. It's kind of secluded way back in the woods. Um, and, I mean, there was the airport wasn't too close to where we were. It was actually on the other side of town. But you, know, you would see things like in the trees out there. You would see things flying over the woods. And you would see like lights up. It was just crazy. Like um, a lot of weird stuff that happened out there. Even hearing things like in the woods. So we used to live like, like in the barracks. Um, and right behind our barracks was like a little fence that you can hop right over. And then beyond that was just like miles of just woods, like trees just out there. And when it would get, it was, it would get really humid out there. So when it would rain, it would, you see like a whole bunch of mist out there and the tree, like you couldn't see past a few trees out, out in the woods and you would just hear things like walking out there, like yelling out, just crazy, crazy things. And, wow. And you know, you would, we were just Charleston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's that's a, interesting because uh, there's base. a case. Yeah, there's a case I know that took place in that area outside yeah. of Charleston. Right. To uh, contactee Bill Herman. Okay. Uh, who was photographing these UFOs flying around the base? He thought they were military until right. one swooped down and sucked him on board, and it was had grays inside. Oh man. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. That definitely photographs. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that area, I mean, not unless you live like in the immediate area, not too many people know that it's actually out there. Um, even the people that live there, they're like, Oh, like where are you guys stationed? Are you stationed? Like, I think there was another base for like a bunch of Marines, stuff like that. And I'd be like, no, we're actually at this base over here. And people are like, well, I didn't even know that place was there. And it's like out in the, in the woods out there and there's nothing much going on out there at all. And yeah, you would see a lot of crazy things and, Flying in the air, flying in the trees, going between the trees, out in the woods. It's... Yeah, I'm telling you, UFOs are attracted to Air <laughs> Force Base. I was looking at a case in Altus, Oklahoma, right. where you know a UFO swooped down over a school, and a lot of people saw it. You know, police officers. It stopped traffic. I'm thinking, well, what's you know what's in Altus? You know, it's just right. a little town. Well, there there's a big uh, Air Force Base there. Right. Where they have nuclear storage. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out there's a number of cases of you know UFOs over Altus AFB. Yeah, and the and the whole nuclear thing seems to be like I guess something they see that's in common in common between all these you know the, all these different places. Um, Charleston, where I was as well, they they had a bunch of nuclear stuff there as well. So that I mean that that way makes sense <laughs> because oh, really yeah everywhere else that you would see any kind of base that has any kind of nuclear material that you know they're there you know. And, Definitely where I was, there was a whole bunch of that as well. So um, that's yeah, this, is a war- this is a warning they give to, or certainly messages when someone's yeah. taken on board. Sometimes they're you know, told about nuclear proliferation, right. uh, which makes sense because you know, I've got another case just like that. Dr. Gary Wagner was stationed on the USS Long Beach, yeah. uh, which is a nuclear c- carrier. And uh, this is just on the far, the outside edge of uh, Catalina Island. Right. You know, the Oceanside, okay, and uh, they saw a bunch of lights off on the horizon, some ways out there, which were pulsating and changing shape, and uh, it was very strange. He tried to get information from the bridge, but they were way too busy, right, right. Uh, and wouldn't answer any questions. Uh, but yeah, the whole ship was in an uproar about it. Yeah, and 
and I've always wondered, do you, do you feel like it's maybe these UFOs come, I mean, obviously some of them probably come from outer space as well, but some of them come from within the earth, maybe like in the ocean and they're just here all the time and they come out every once in a while, you know, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, I think, yeah, probably. Right. And the reason I say that is because I look uh, into this one area off the Southern California coast here, the Santa, Santidro channel, the Santa Catalina channel right. has a huge amount of activity in a kind of sharply defined location over a long period of time. Right. So something's going on there. I mapped it all. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so there's an enormous number of objects coming in and out of the water here, sometimes in large numbers. You know, usually if someone sees a UFO, it's one or two or three, maybe four. Uh, uh, numbers higher than that are pretty unusual. Right. Uh, but to have anything over like 20 or 30 is, I would say, very unusual. And there's a lot of cases in this area, some involving hundreds of objects. So that raises a red flag for me. Yeah. A couple of whistleblower accounts, which are, you know, hearsay, secondhand, thirdhand, really, right. uh, of uh, a base being there, being shared military and greys. Uh, so there's some abductees saying that they weren't taken inside a UFO. They were taken to some underground facility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, these sort of things start to add up and make me really wonder. Uh, yeah. So I can't prove it. But I'm like, mm, you know, I could probably build a pretty good circumstantial case for it. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely crazy. I mean, um, you know, one of the other stories that you had, um, the one that I wanted to get a little more information about was that um, I forgot who it was. The, the person that took the road trip across to the Canadian Rockies. You remember that story? Yeah. James Santiago. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Santiago. Yeah. That's a, that's a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he ended up becoming a really good friend. Uh, okay. I had dinner with him many times and had him tell this story to me and watched him tell it to other people, uh, you know, recorded it, of course. And it's a crazy story. Uh, right. he's, a, he's a pretty, you know, in his day, he was a nightclub performer. Okay. Uh, but later kind of moved behind the scenes and was very successful as a makeup artist. And uh, back in, I believe it was the 70s, he was performing in Canada mm -hmm. and needed to get to Vancouver, which is, you know, over the Rockies there, the Canadian Rockies. Right. And he's not about to drive. He just doesn't drive. He can't drive. He never learned how. Okay. Uh, always kind of, he's a pretty wealthy guy. Right. Uh, and uh, he was just going to fly, but he ended up, his makeup artist at the time, her mother was a very famous painter and a very strange lady. And she's like, well, I'm going to Vancouver. Why don't you carpool with me? And he had just met her. She was crazy in a hundred ways. <laughs> but he's like, all right, fine, I'll go. Because they just kept working them, right? So right. long story short, they set off over this road trip over the Canadian Rockies. They're just, just him and her and her Monte Carlo all decked out, right? Mm. A sort of customized car. And uh, she says, do you have any pennies in the car? And she's like, I can't have any copper in the car. Mm. He's like, why? She says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in contact with UFOs and it attracts UFOs. And he's like, oh, great. You know, this lady's even crazier than I thought. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he had, you know, he, 
he believed in the paranormal a little bit. He'd seen his mother's ghost, right? But never really thought about UFOs or anything. I was like, fine, you know. And they got rid of the coins, and uh, they spent a night in a hotel, I believe, and were driving through the peak of the Rockies uh, towards. This is late at night when she says, "Do you feel the pressure?" And he's like, "No, what the? What are you talking about?" <laughs> and she says. You'll, you'll feel it. You know, the UFOs are coming. We're about to have an encounter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, great. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he starts to feel the pressure. And I found this very interesting. I asked him about it many times because I've had a lot of witnesses describe this sort of feeling of paralysis or right. pressure, uh, which you know, can start mild and get strong, but actually leave you completely paralyzed. And he said, that's exactly what happened. It started about very mild. And he's like, I feel it. I feel it. And she's like, I told you. And uh, it started to get very strong and almost uncomfortable. And at that point, this saucer shows up over the cra- or over their car and starts tracking it, pacing it for a good you know, five or 10 minutes at least. It was very large, just 20, 40 feet up circular emerald green and just shining down this green light circle of light right over them yeah uh, so he thought it was the most beautiful thing he's ever seen and she's terrified and you know pressing the accelerator down and wants to outrun this thing yeah uh, which you can't do obviously uh, yeah uh yeah it's, and it just gets weirder from there <laughs> i mean i can yeah. go on if you want yeah definitely uh because uh, uh yeah, she's freaking out, and he's like, this is amazing. He's like enlightened. He says, this thing woke me up in a way I can't even begin to describe. Uh, like he felt smarter even. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing people have told me. I've had a number of people tell me this. Like these, when this thing came over my head, I felt enlightened. Uh, so that's what, you know, one lady says, it was like being woken up when you're already awake. Right sort of thing so he's just jazzed and he's like hoping they're gonna land and she's freaking out and she's like open the glove compartment <laughs> he's like oh, okay and, and she says reach down in there and pull everything out and, and he does he's like why am i doing this she says there's a secret compartment on the bottom you'll see a little knob there you'll feel it open it up and pull out what's ever inside mm. and he finds the knob and sure enough it's there there's some opens up this compartment and pulls out something heavy wrapped in cloth. And he's like, what's this? And, and he unwraps it. And this darn thing is a giant gold bracelet. You know, several pounds heavy. It was huge. A person couldn't wear it, he said. Not a woman, certainly. Uh, but it was really beautiful. He said it was a priceless artifact. It had sea foam green stones inset all around it filigree it was just beautiful and she says you know hold this thing between us and this will repel the ufo and so he's like oh, whatever you know yeah. uh, so that's what they did you know they're both holding on to this thing and eventually this ufo leaves and uh, i don't know what to say about that yeah uh, neither does he but he says he held this thing up to her and he's like what She's like, put it back away. He's like, well, wait a second. Yeah. What is this? What is it? <laughs> you know, this is crazy. And she says, well, well, you know, she had been, t- she was an amazing lady. She had been telling him all these spiritual stories. 
about her life, which was you know, living among the Indians and traveling around the world. She's obscenely wealthy, living out of hotels, and has had all kinds of adventures. She's an adventurous and would go exploring and diving. And she said she was diving off the coast of Spain, heard a voice which guided her to this. And the voice told her it was from Atlantis. Hmm. I don't know. And uh, I, can, I can only tell you that when James t- tells this story, his eyes will get real wide and sometimes he'd cry a little bit. Right. Uh, he was, you know, I'm, I'm like, are you sure this is real? And he's like, well, I can, I held it. Right. Uh, and so he eventually wraps this thing up and uh, puts it back in the glove compartment. And, you know, they continue their drive. They yeah. saw, they passed the UFO. They were landed on the hilltop. He's like, look, look. She wouldn't look. <laughs> and, they followed, and followed him all the way into Vancouver and it didn't end there you know yeah. he had an encounter in his hotel room Man. Uh, looking out you know on the balcony seeing this thing uh, so it's a crazy case you know he had a pretty good relationship with this lady and every time he was around her sure enough UFOs would show up so she wasn't lying <laughs> yeah now it's crazy so it's like I was always curious as to like the many ways that people that would get abducted, like you mentioned um, the, f- the first story where they walked into the living room and like the whole wall was missing. Is that kind of common or do they kind of get sucked out maybe to like the ceiling then you go through a window or they just kind of blink and they're gone and then you're just a board, you know, like the different kind of ways that they get taken, you know? Is it- yeah, it's fascinating. Some um, Ramon, for example, uh, the military guy, the Marine guy, was sucked right through the closed door you know and so how do they do that that's not what kim cammon described he said the wall was didn't appear to be there at all uh one guy i interviewed he's a veterinarian in missouri area uh asked the ets how they did that and they kind of didn't say anything but showed him and he described the same thing that kim cammon said he said the first the wall disappeared on the first demonstration the second time the ceiling over his bed disappeared. Just gone. Yeah. Yep, just gone. So they have the ability, you know, matter we know is mostly energy anyway. Right. And if you can polarize it into a certain spectrum or vibration or what have you, right. uh, th- this is apparently how they're doing it. Uh, we don't know how they do it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely, I definitely believe in the whole vibration, you know, theory um you know for anything really when it comes to you know maybe how they are able to fly through the space and how they're able to travel vast distances to even like in the medical field when when they use like vibrations and things you know things like that for medical use i mean that's definitely kind of what i think lean more towards um but yeah it's definitely interesting you know just all the different ways you know that they actually get taken out like that one thing that's really interesting is there's this phenomenon called doorway amnesia. Okay. And that's where people don't remember actually entering. And this is exactly what happened to Kim Cannon. You know, he's in his backyard there. He can feel the wet grass on his feet, the UFOs over him. He's struck by a beam of light and boom, he's inside. Doesn't really remember the open, it opening up and him. Whereas Ramon, he had an experience where he was pulled off the freeway and <laughs> They walked him on board the UFO up a ramp, basically. So he does remember. So some people just, you know, they're forcibly taken with, you know, their 
uh, arms being held by these greys, usually greys. Right. Uh, but sometimes human looking, sometimes, like I said, praying mantis is another common type. That's uh, even, that's even more terrifying in itself. I mean, just looking at a praying mantis on its own and just imagining one that's like your size or a lot bigger is just. I find it very odd <laughs> for, that they would, you know, of all things, a, you know, a bug, a praying mantis. Cause right. we have all kinds of animals on earth. Right. And for an ET to look like a praying mantis is fascinating to me yeah no it's definitely i mean what if it's just you know all these different races of aliens out there actually the bugs that are on earth are are actually modeled after them you know out in the universe and they're just here on earth maybe kind of watching us you know just to kind of see what we're doing on the planet i mean that's that's it's interesting to think about you know but yeah, it I mean, could have been worse. It could have been a cockroach. You know, we, I don't get reports of that. You know, any, maybe giant any, spiders or something. <laughs> no, never got one of those. Yeah, always humanoid. Which yeah, is, I mean, even like robotic figures are generally yeah. described as having a general humanoid shape. Right. Uh, which is weird. So I guess that's just something we're stuck with in terms of the evidence. This is what people are seeing. <laughs> and it's and I've also heard that that the the grays are kind of more mechanical as well. Have you heard that? They're kind of machines for whoever else is in charge. And Sometimes. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think there's different types of grays, honestly. Uh, people do describe like mechanical, emotionless, maybe even soulless grays. Right. Um, they're usually described as being the three foot tall, maybe four feet, but once described, you know, five feet tall. no, they don't, mm. I don't think they're machines at all. I think they're biological beings, very much like us. You know, and right. as much as I cringe to say it, I believe they're hybridizing with humanity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for a long I time. Got, yeah, I, I have to tell you, when I started investigating early on in 1986 is when I first became interested in it. Right. 88, I kind of really buckled down. Got my first case of a hybrid baby. And that was before Bud Hopkins, you know, had really kind of put that theory out there in his book, Intruders. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's definitely, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, to actually sit here and think about that, you know, that that's what they would, they'd be doing to us either. I mean, I don't think it's to kind of help us out as far as making us better. It's probably more, I would say maybe trying to create something between their like alien and human to try to make something better to take our place maybe, or to me, you know, maybe that's what David Jacobs thinks. I don't think that I honestly yeah. don't, <laughs> I don't think they're going to take over the planet. I think they're probably even, I don't know. I mean, we honestly just don't know. Right. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's a nefarious phenomena. I don't think it's something we have to be afraid of. Right. Uh, yeah, it can be very scary. Yeah. And ki- kidnapping people, it, there's no excuse. <laughs> I don't care, you know, what it's for. You know, right. some, pe- some people have said, oh, you know, maybe they're like doctors trying to save us. Well, even a doctor, you know, has the, you know, courage to say, we're trying to help you. <laughs> right. And these take guys, you and that's it. <laughs> yeah, these guys say, don't, don't be afraid. We won't hurt you. Yeah. And that's, Too bad. O- and that's often, you know, not true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people do feel pain and that, you know, that's hurt. Yeah. And taking someone is kind of a traumatic act, but I have to tell you when someone's kidnapped on earth by a human, 
never ends well. No, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> when not. someone's kidnapped by ETs, uh, they're usually returned, as far right. as we know. Uh, there's no, I don't want to say no accounts, but I don't get hardly any accounts of what I would call sadistic, evil, torturing type behavior. They're not trying to scare people. They're not trying to hurt them. Right. I wrote a book called The Healing Power of UFOs uh, because there are 300 plus documented cases, uh, which I've traced in the literature and, you know, interviewed myself, of people healed, sure. I mean, physically healed. Why would they do that if this is bad, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure that their whole agenda is entirely self-serving. Uh, and people, abductees, have complained to them about this. Like, you have abducted me. You've used me for babies. How dare you? And they say, well, we've given you a gift. And this yeah. is something I've heard over and over again, that our gift to you is increased psychic awareness, perhaps. A lot of these people come away with powers to heal, channel, give psychic readings, uh, all kinds of stuff. One guy, he, he was a Navy guy, Jim Kubelbeck. He was uh, an electron, what, uh, electronics. electronics. Yeah. yeah. Or no, not uh, engineer. That's yeah. right. Uh, and uh, he came back from his experiences doing water dowsing. <gasps> mm. uh, that's what he got really into, which I oh. found interesting. And, and he actually got really good at it and you know, made some money and found a bunch of wells. Oh, yeah, it's definitely odd. It's, uh, I was just thinking about that as well. You know, maybe some of these people, they have some kind of disease or, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, and then they come and get taken. Um, the aliens do some kind of research on them just to see, you know, what it is, what's, you know, how to treat it, things like that. Maybe they bring them back, they're doing a little better, and then they have some other kind of, maybe not like a, a superpower of any kind, but you know, like you said, maybe they're able to channel or they're like a little more psychic, you know, things like that. It's kind of a give and take, you know, hey, I'm going to help you out. And then in exchange for taking you, I'll give you, you know, this kind of power for you to be able yeah. to do this. Has there ever been anything that you've heard of as far as like people being taken and they come back, they're able to like write music or play instruments that they never were able to do before, or, you know, anything kind of like that? Yeah. yeah, yes, certainly. Not so much musical instruments. <laughs> Although that does happen to people who've like been hit on the head or something. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That sort of thing I've heard of. But uh, there are cases of people writing mathematical formulas, okay. uh, which does turn up quite a bit, which I find interesting. And some of these have panned out to be true. Sure. And uh, there are you know, things like that, I would say, for sure. Uh, a very strong interest in healing. Uh, some people will be, or become very interested in quantum physics. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these people who see UFOs as young kids end up you know, becoming maybe a UFO investigator themselves right. or uh, a teacher or a Jack Sarfati. He's a sort of a groundbreaking physicist in quantum physics. And he had an encounter as a young kid, uh, which so he, he attributes his interest in physics partly to this. And, you know, he's made some real progress. <laughs> in the field made a splash so yeah i think that does come up i'm not sure people have been been given the power to you know, superpowers so much right uh, i think they're trying to wake us up to our own latent potentials sure. honestly and i have to tell you because you, know, you brought it up yeah <laughs> uh, in terms of superpowers I, there's a good smattering of cases where people have levitated following a ufo incident crazy 
that happened to a doctor in France. Uh, that's cases from Jacques Vallée. I know Bud Hopkins has a couple of cases like that. Right. I, I've certainly talked to a few people who reported that, uh, which is how I know. You know, that got me interested. I started researching it. Sure. Uh, so yeah, yeah, they definitely do something to people. Because another example of that would be something that abductees, contactees, call them what you want, experiencers, mm-hmm. uh, when they they can affect electronic instruments. And uh, this is not uncommon. The, They'll walk by a radio, it will come, get all staticky. Right. Ramon had this problem. He kept blowing out light bulbs, hmm. one, one after another. That's something I've heard before. Right. Uh, so they've got a bioelectric field that's sort of increased somehow. Yeah. Now it's, and I was, I was thinking as well, um, you mentioned they were taking people, you know, it's, and, and some of the times it's not just that they're like in their house asleep and they're, in their bed or, you know, whatever, but maybe they'll be driving down the street. Is there more, is there a lot of cases like that? Like maybe they'll be like operating a vehicle or they'll be out and about somewhere and then they're just gone. Like, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, driving is not uncommon. Uh, one case that I worked on was two ladies were taken right off the freeway, right over an overpass, <laughs> a crowded freeway, by the way. Yeah. Um, so another lady was scuba diving. Um, they got her then. Uh, trying to think if it's Whitley Strieber. He reported being pulled from a train, a moving train. Hmm. Uh, I have a case where a lady was taken out of, I think it was like the sixth floor, the 10th floor of the Marriott Hotel in Woodland Hills, which is very densely populated. I mean, right. there's just, so yeah, they can get you anywhere. Uh, certainly a lot of people are taken out of their beds or homes out of suburban areas usually right right no yeah it's definitely interesting especially when they're taking in areas that are when there's a lot of people around you know there's off the navy ship that's what happened yeah. to or even like submarines and stuff they, you know yeah. i've I actually I, saw, I remember hearing a story a long long time ago from an old crusty sailor that i used to know he was he was an older older gentleman already um he was a submariner and he had a story about um, somebody that he was with on a submarine was taken and it was, was just missing in the middle of the ocean. Like they're underway, they're underwater, you know, they've already, they already dove down and like, he's just gone. Like that person, there's nowhere to go, right? You're underwater, like miles underwater already. And then the person just vanished and they, 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 they couldn't find them. And then they, they got back, they got back in the port and everybody was off the ship, was gone, and they already gone home. And the individual that was missing was was back home somewhere. And you know, they found him. But how he how he got from the, the submarine in the middle of the ocean, you know, from underwater. He swam out. <laughs> back, back to port and then he was just fine. Like, you know, that was just like the craziest story. I I never like spoke to him any further as to like what he thought it was or you know stuff like that but he was the fact that he was just gone like what you know what else could it be like maybe he got shot out the freaking torpedo hole and <laughs> you know but but i mean that's just one of the craziest stories i had ever heard when it comes to actually being out at sea and stuff like that, just, that uh, just one, one of the craziest i've heard in terms of you know encounters at sea right besides the clamagor one that i already told you was a good one uh, but I've got a number of them because, you know, I've done a, a lot of USO research. Right. Uh, 
Uh, but one one Navy guy, his case is in another of my books, uh, is actually the brother of Kim Cannon, uh, who had an abduction experience uh, while, gosh, where were they? I believe it was off the, like right in the corner of the Bermuda Triangle, really. And uh, this is in the early 80s. Right. And Kevin Cannon is a medic, a corpsman, uh, one of two on the ship. And his friend turned out to be a contactee and said, you know, said he was in contact with aliens. Oh. And Kevin didn't believe him and said, oh, if that's true, I want to meet your little green friends. Right. Turned out to be a mistake because uh, this friend said, okay, I'll ask him. And came back later, you know, they shared a cabin. And, he's, and she said, oh, yeah, they'll pick you up. They're going to come tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, long story short, you know, his friend comes into the cabin and says, they're here. If you want to go out on deck, you know, this is during lunch hour. Uh, and Kevin's cabin was, you know, right close to the deck. Hmm. He runs up on deck and sure enough, there's this giant craft. He says it was three times the ship. The ship is like 680 feet long. And he runs to the, the mess cook there who's, and starts to shake him and say, look, 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 and can't get his attention. And boom, finds himself on board this craft looking down and thinking he's AWOL. And a voice says, oh, no, they won't even know you're gone. And had this long involved encounter where, you know, a voice was answering questions telepathically in his head. Right. He's too afraid to turn around because he doesn't know what these guys look like. Yeah, I wouldn't turn around either. <laughs> uh, but, but finally does. And they are praying mantis type ETs. Man. And he said they were 15 feet tall. And the ke- Kevin, you know, usually I've talked to people who seem like nine, 10 feet tall. So most people tell me, I'm like, Kevin, you sure? Because uh, that's pretty tall. And oh, yeah. People have a tendency to sometimes exaggerate when they're telling a story. Sure. Uh, but he he wasn't that kind of guy. Right. <laughs> he was very level-headed and very you know trained observer, a military guy. You know how? Uh, uh, and he's like, man, no, no, this thing took two steps, crossed the room, and it was right next to me. And it was more than twice my height. It was like looking up at a basketball hoop. You know, so this thing was huge. And one of its eyeballs was as big as my head. One eyeball, like a basketball. And he said it was bone white, you know, and just oozed intelligence. Scared the living daylights out of him. When it turned, said, "Do you want to go see our planet?" He's like, "No, take me home. Yeah, I want to go back." <laughs> um, and uh, that's it. Reached out and touched his so- shoulder. You know, I'm shortening a lot of details here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, boom, he wakes up in his his bunk. cabin. Yeah. And he's covered. You no, know, he was on the deck first. Now he's in his cabin. He's covered in sweat. He's hyperventilating. And his friend whips open the curtain says so how did you like your little ride and uh he didn't like it no he's no, very he didn't <laughs> didn't like it no. at all <laughs> no, that friend was no longer a friend <laughs> um, he regrets it now you know because they were good friends sure no that's that's the that's the, the one part that, that gets me is what kind of technology that they possess to just kind of stop all time right like you could be surrounded by thousands of people and nobody sees anything nobody hears anything there's nothing going on it's just yeah. as if so like time stopped and and then sure you're just, looks like it. you're just plugged out of there and your time keeps going whatever you're doing and then they just kind of put you back where you were hit play boom and then there you go back in you know what you know what you were doing but that makes crazy yeah, yeah that's the I craziest got, part got a lot of cases like that where people are being pulled out of their house or wherever and nobody's moving 
traffic has stopped. The trees aren't, you know, the birds, nothing is moving. It's frozen. Right. And I can't believe that, you know, grays, no matter how powerful they are, can stop all time in all the universe. You know what right. I mean? Right. You can't stop the planets from rotating. That makes no sense to me. So I'm not sure what's happening here, but I feel like you're probably more on the track of being pulled out of time, perhaps. Yeah. Into a well, different maybe, time. Yeah, maybe like your time track, like, you know, whatever you're on still keeps going. You're just kind of plucked out and it's just kind of like a placeholder. Hold on, just wait. <laughs> and you're doing whatever you're doing and they just kind of drop you back where you're, you know, where you were at and then you keep going. It kind of makes sense because these craft are moving in ways that defy physics sure. that uh, seem to be faster than light travel. And if you can do faster than light travel, well, that's time travel. And that's, you know, gravity and time, rate times time and distance are all tied up together. Yeah. Uh, so if you're moving faster than the speed of light, uh, that gives you powers over time that we don't even understand. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, the fact that <clears throat> something out there possesses that kind of technology that we have no clue about how it works or anything like that. And then they just come and use it on you. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, you know, I always ask the abductees, you know, what do you think? You know, you're the one who's experienced this. Are these guys, you know, evil? Are they good? You know, right. what do you think? And I got almost nobody who says they're evil. A few, yeah. yes. I think that maybe they're demonic. Usually these are people who are pretty religious. Right. Uh, some people are like, no, they're angelic. I think they're like angels. Sure. And these are also, you know, sometimes, so sometimes people I put a religious interpretation on it or maybe that's what these guys really are you know because one lady who was abducted by grace they told her flat out oh you guys thought we were angels in the past you know sure. you recorded us as angels uh but i don't think that they're here to hurt us like you said they're so powerful right they certainly could have but i feel like in some sense they do look down on us in a kind of condescending manner <laughs> yeah and uh perhaps we are an experiment you know a genetic experiment sure. to a certain extent but they seem to be very very interested in all things human i mean really interested in earth everything on it in terms of plants and flowers and you know animals sure all being abducted in large numbers and people and genetic material earth will never go extinct because They've got samples of everything. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, wrote, I wrote an article about that. Uh, alien zoos, because they've collected elk, rabbits, pigs, cows, uh, alligators. There's a mm. case of that. Uh, so all kinds of uh, life forms and seem to be very interested in our emotions as well. Right. Yeah. It's, so, so we've, we've talked about like, like the greys. Uh, the mantis, the um, the one we're talking about, the um, what were the other species we're talking about? Um, yeah, it was mostly grays, but grays, a big wide variety, human-looking. Right, right, human-looking. Um, which gotta ra has to raise serious questions. Yeah, where that comes from? Um, right, but yeah, gr uh, praying mantis is another, and also a weird, just catch-all category of weird humanoids, right. tall, nine foot. Um, short little hairy humanoids like dwarves right. uh, yeah it's so when it comes to that i mean obviously they can you know maybe if they were just kind of 
shapeshift if they were to do that if not you know whatever but do you ever hear stories about them maybe dropping cryptids down or kind of taking up cryptids because i you know you hear a lot of stories about like you know especially stuff with like bigfoot maybe they're alien and you know some people report that they see them come out of spaceships or they get picked up by spaceships is there any kind of anything like that that you've actually heard of i've looked into it a little bit and i think there you know that is exactly something i wondered i'm like you know because like where did that uh gosh what was that weird thing the goat sucker the chupacabra oh, chupacabra yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah. my neck of the woods <laughs> i was wondering about that because that doesn't have a super strong ufo connection but there's a little bit there sure and uh certainly there are some cases with bigfoot that intersect perfectly with ufos and i know there's a case in like colorado where guys came upon a landed ufo and there were human looking ets there and a bigfoot was there as well and it was being ordered around uh, he was having a lot of problems with Bigfoot on his ranch at the time. So, yeah, there's something to speak to that. Uh, another thing I've noticed is areas where cryptids are reported right. uh, seem to have high levels of UFO activity. Right. And then the one thing that comes to mind is the Mothman, right? So you, you would hear stories about the Mothman. And just prior, you would hear stories about other people would see ufos in the sky right before they would see the mothman or even afterwards and it's just kind of odd that you know they would be you know maybe they don't come from the same place or not you know necessarily that 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 mothman would come from the ufo but you know just the fact that they would be seen around each other at the same times is just you know real odd yeah if someone should see a pterodactyl (laughs) um, because believe you know i there are reports of this i am not kidding of right. mo- modern day pterodactyls right i'm like no no way i'm not even gonna look i don't yeah. even want to hear it i really don't <laughs> and i kept running i'm like I'll, finally i'll look at it and i'm still not entirely convinced even though there's quite a few reports right. but i'm wondering well you know if et's have been collecting genetics for so many years <laughs> maybe they did a long time ago yeah right i mean it's entire or if they can time travel yeah um, and if that would sure I mean, if they wanted to get some attention, just drop a pterodactyl. That's that going to raise my eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, that could definitely be the case for, you know, when you hear a lot of people say that they've spotted animals that, you know, that have actually gone extinct like a long time ago and they see them in the woods somewhere, like out in the rainforest. I mean, it could definitely be aliens having, you know, their their DNA and maybe they made another one and they just kind of dropped it off in the middle of nowhere where it was. I mean, it's anything's possible right and and like you said they probably have all their dna from thousands of years ago who's to say that they haven't got the ones from the dinosaurs millions of years ago and And i'm sure our government is doing all kinds of dna because dna is a big deal yeah i mean they're cloning people (laughs) cutting sheep and then they're trying to bring back um like all the woolly mammoths and stuff like that so i mean it's definitely within the jurassic park (laughs) yeah we're gonna see it the last thing we need (laughs) Like the last thing we need right now with you know all these murder hornets going around and <laughs> yeah there's a, a foot long murder hornet yeah like oh, man. prehistoric times <laughs> crazy looking things it's definitely man yeah and, and it's definitely would you say maybe around times of kind of chaos you know say you know like we're going through more of a hard time right now with everybody going on like with the virus and you know all the things that are going on is there more of like an uptick 
in things as far as reportings, like like during times of of maybe distress or like you know and stuff like that. Uh, some people have tried to link uh, sightings to that unsuccessfully. I think sure. there are some interesting correlations. I know here in L.A. after the Rodney King riots, uh, we had a major earthquake, and then we had a huge wave of sightings. <laughs> Yeah. And there are weird things like that do seem to occasionally happen. Sure. Uh, there, there might be a link between, you know, UFOs and earthquakes to some extent. Volcanoes, they seem to be very interested in that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and yeah, there does seem to be a recent uptick in sightings. Yeah. It's... Uh, recently. Yeah, so I'm like wondering about that. I yeah. have to believe the ETs are very aware of everything that's going on. Right. Because uh, mm-hmm. they follow people. They can get you anywhere. I think they're aware of my own research, sure. honestly, uh, for a couple of reasons. Yeah. I, you know, I, I asked one lady to go on TV once, and she called me up, you know, like right before the shoot. It's just a little public access channel. And she says, no, the ETs came, and they don't want me to do it. Hmm. So they're watching. I was interviewing Ramon. I was interviewing him. Right. And he called me up like a, the next day or a couple of days later and says, you know, when we were on the phone, I hung after I hung up, my son came up to me and said a UFO had landed in the street while we were on the phone. Man. I'm like, what the heck? Is, are they listening in? I'm, oh, almost definitely. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're listening in. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like they're, they manipulate people, abductees, to be in certain areas, uh, relationships even. Sure. Uh, so I feel like they... They've got to be aware of everything that's going on right here. I, I don't know. There are cases where they do step in and intervene. There's a case in the book where it's insane. Uh, this lady from Florida had a lot of UFO activity throughout her life from a very young age. And in 1984, had one of her, quote, UFO dreams, mm. where she usually wakes up on board a UFO, right? She's being examined or whatever. But she woke up next to one standing there and there was a giant ufo a kind of human looking figure in a blue jumpsuit grays and they're overlooking this south american town she thinks it's south america she doesn't know right and uh she's like in this kind of weird not trance-like state but it's this slightly altered state of consciousness she's very obedient does what they say she doesn't know why she doesn't question anything but they take her to this town and start pulling people out of this town and pulling them into the UFO. And I'm like, you're kidding. She's like, no, we did this for three hours. Man. You know, was, and nobody said a word. You know, people followed like sheep. They took whole families until they filled up this craft with about a thousand people. And she says there was actually two crafts, so probably more. Right. And, uh, you know, they, she went on board. She explored the whole thing, you know, Grays were there, different types of human-looking ETs, and all these people from this village. And uh, suddenly, this volcano explodes, just sweeps over the entire village, you know, burying it in mud. And uh, you know, the UFO picks up a few more people, and next thing she knows, she's waking up the next morning back in uh, Florida, or she may have moved to Louisiana at this time. But at any rate, <laughs> uh, back at home. And tells her friend this story. You know, she calls her up and her friend's like, oh my God, turn on the news. Turn on the news right now. Hang up. Turn on the news. So Pat does and turn on the news and there's her dream, her quote UFO dream. 
Turns out the volcano, Nevada del Ruiz, had just erupted. Ended up killing like 27,000 people. Man. It's like Preston, they picked up a couple of thousand people before they got buried. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know, where do you think they went? She's like, I have no idea. <laughs> she, she ended up seeing a therapist over this. It was very upsetting. Yeah, I mean, they were probably going to end up dying anyway, so you right? know, they might as well take them. <laughs> so yeah. it was all a very friendly thing, you know, as far yeah. as she was concerned. They were saved. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and I know that how that sounds, but I've, uh, I've got a lot of cases that are similar, not in terms of like the numbers of people. Usually it's an like individual being right. saved from perhaps a car accident. A couple of cases like that. This guy's driving down the street in Colorado at night and a UFO shines a beam of light down on the road in front of him. And there's a mattress right in front of him on the highway. He has just enough time to swerve. Saved his life, he says. That sort of thing. Uh, you know, people saved of drowning. Yeah. Being, uh, you know, cases like that. That's so. crazy. No, it's definitely, it's definitely weird. I mean, so like, you mentioned that lady she believed it was you know somewhere like in south america is there i mean obviously there's there's sightings and things like that all over the world all the time but is there more maybe like south american countries maybe maybe countries that are more poor than others that they have more sightings or you know things like that is there anything Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of research or i haven't right um into you know which sighting, which country has the most sightings? Right, right. Uh, U.S. I'm sure is going to be high ranking high. there simply because we're pretty aware of it. We've got right. UFO centers and they get reports every day. Sure. But I know Brazil has a lot of activity. Yeah. Uh, and they're very forthcoming in terms of you know government transparency. Well, not very, but more so than U.S. Right. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, so now that you mentioned transparency, it's, I mean, obviously they, they came out and kind of admitted that the UFOs exist, you know, just recently, right? But nobody kind of really paid attention to any of that, um, you know, because the coronavirus was going on and all these things are happening in Minneapolis, right? So, you know, they, they kind of admitted that, you know, that we actually have UFOs out there, things like that. Um, but I, I kind of think it was a well like a great time to actually come out and admit it when all this stuff was going on, because they knew that nobody would really kind of be paying attention to it. Um, yeah. But, they did it in kind of a, a piecemeal step-by-step way too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they knew no one was going to really care, you know, cause everything else is going on. And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, you know, by the way, there's actually UFOs out there and you know, we have videos of them. And like, all right. Well, you know, we'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I asked, I asked everyone about it, you know, my friends, family, coworkers, they're like, what? No. Oh, yeah, I did hear something about that. Yeah. But it was, it didn't make a ripple in their life in terms of, you know, earth shaking news. I'm like, well, yeah. this is kind of earth shaking a, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, they are actually acknowledging that there's yeah, something else, you know, outside of our earth that actually exists out there somewhere. And our government has not been forthcoming with no. this. No, for, you know. Um, a lot of years, <laughs> um, you know, individuals, perhaps, you know, individual people within government. Cause I know like, you know, governor Fife Symington, he's like, yeah, I saw the Phoenix lights after he denied it for years. Thanks made so much. Made a spectacle but, uh, out of it. <laughs> but yeah, Barry Goldwater, he talked about UFOs. 
And uh, I know there's a lot of people within the military who are very forthcoming sure. about this on an individual level. Right. And so that announcement from the Pentagon was kind of quasi-official. Right. Because um, these guys weren't like active guys. Right, right, uh, yeah. Were, and the Pentagon was kind of railroaded into saying, all right, yeah, we've got something out there. And they backpedaled a little bit saying, yeah, it's real, but we don't necessarily think it's alien. Whereas the pilots are like, look at that thing go. Look at it. Oh, my God, it's turning. It's going you know, thousands of miles an hour. It's, yeah, that was, I mean, I remember seeing on the news, like when it, when it happened, you know, obviously it was all over Facebook and stuff like that. But um, nobody, nobody even cared. Like I never heard anything from anybody, you know, like, like myself and like my brother or something like that. You know, we always knew that the UFOs and things like that existed and they were real, right? So we, you know, like for years, we're telling people like, oh yeah, it's real, this is real, blah, blah, blah. And then it finally comes out like, hey, this is real. And everybody's just like, ah, yeah, I guess you were right, but it's not a big deal. I was like, come on, man, <laughs> you're going to take it away from me like that. You're going to steal my thunder. You know, it is just. Which is, I think, kind of the plan from perhaps yeah. gov- government and ETs. Because yeah. let's face it, our society is drenched. It's saturated with UFO imagery in terms of, you know, movies or yeah. video games or science fiction, or advertising. I mean, it's just everywhere. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just finished watching the X-Files again, like all, all, ten, all 10 seasons, like, like last month. So yeah, I definitely know. <laughs> you know so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there with you on that one. I mean, you know, nobody really cared. And it's, it was kind of not sad. Well, I guess it was, it was sad. A little bit, but I mean, you know, whatever. They're everybody's into what they're into, and you know, if well, they'll be on a wake-up call. Don't worry. I think when you know, at some point, our government does have these, these craft, right? And we have the bodies. Uh, that's you know, I don't want to call it speculation because we've got so many whistleblowers sure. type testimonies. Uh, how many do we need to say that this is really happening? Right. So I'm pretty confident we do have UFO hardware. And then at some point it's going to be released because the truth cannot be withheld indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, So there's a movement towards disclosure, which is gaining traction. And I honestly think we're going to see at some point, you know, not only transparency in government, but transparency with the ETs Mm -hmm. uh, because they're not landing and they could, and I think they will. I think we're going to see another Phoenix lights, but more dramatic. I think we're going to have, you know, open official contact right. at some point. I don't know how open it will be, uh, but I do think there's going to be, you know, further displays of their presence. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, so. Do you kind of believe that? You know, I mean, so, so we're talking about people going missing every year. I mean, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people go missing every year. I think maybe like a few years back, it was like 800,000 people go missing every year. Um, You know, maybe that's gone up, maybe that's gone down. But I mean, do you think that maybe the government had some kind of exchange program maybe for, you know, gosh, (laughs) you know, like maybe, Hey, we'll give you some humans like here, you know, here and there every year. If you give us some, you know, some of your technology, stuff like that. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I'll say rumors of that started pretty early on. John Lear um, was one of the first people to, put forth the well not even the theory the uh story right. that our government did in fact make a deal with the greys where 
not so much give people to them, but allow them to abduct them. Right. Uh, and apparently they did it in much larger numbers. The Greys were abducting more people than we had originally agreed to. But they did give us technology. And there's some something to speak towards that. You know, this isn't just John Lear saying this. There's a number of other researchers now and insiders are saying, yeah, that happened. Uh, even from the point of contactees sure. being abducted by Grace, who said, yes, we have this thing and we're allowed to abduct you, but we're not allowed to publicly reveal ourselves. Mm. Uh, so I think, yeah, there probably is something to that. I don't know if they're like giving people to keep, mm. uh, but as far as missing people, I know there's a case from researcher Constance Clear, uh, who interviewed a gentleman from Texas who was having repeated abductions. And the Greys told this guy from Texas, Andrew, that oh, they said to him, we did take people from Earth, uh, away from Earth to other planets, but they did not survive. So we stopped doing that. I'm thinking, well, what? Man, if I just dropped them off oh, in the no. middle. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> And there are a lot of missing people. And I know cases like Frederick Valentich, who disappeared in conjunction with the UFO sighting, as well as Felix Monkla, who was vectored into a UFO by his superiors to intersect it, intercept it, and disappeared. The blip in his plane came together. They never saw Felix Monkla again. Uh, so there are a number of cases like that. There's a case in Hobbs, New Mexico, where a family watched their father driving up the driveway and he's come screeching in because there's a UFO over his truck and is about to jump out of his truck when boom it's sucked up and he's never seen again Oof. and that comes from Leonard Stringfield you know a good researcher <sighs> so and I've got other cases like I and mean, there's a case in the book where a guy was permanently abducted essentially uh, so I think yeah <laughs> there are a lot of interest in missing people these days because there's a lot of them and I'm not sure that you know UFOs are taking the lion's share of them, but I would, wouldn't surprise me a bit if some of these people are, yeah, being taken by UFOs. And just not not brought back anymore. You know, so, I mean, like a majority of them that are actually taken, they you know they never find anything of them ever again. Like they no clothes, no anything. Yeah. That they and how would you? Yeah. yeah, especially if they're out there like like out in the woods somewhere and they're, you know, they're going camping by themselves or, you know, whatever. And then just gone and nobody ever hears from them again. Right. Or like Pat says, you know, they took all the people of that town are marrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she saw 2000. Who's to say they didn't take 27 because <laughs> they're not going to find those people. They're buried under 30 feet of mud. Well, that, that's it. These people are gone from earth forever. Yeah. Man. I really wonder where they are. Honestly, I, like I really wonder about Felix Moncla and Frederick Valentich. Right, these pilots, because uh, they were just young men, you know, nineteen, twenty years old. Have yeah. to wonder. Makes you, yeah, you definitely wonder. You know, they were, you know, I mean, obviously they were taken. You know, where? Who knows? But if they were taken to like another planet or something, are they still alive? Another time? You know, um, you know, if they're actually still alive somewhere, if they'll ever be brought back? You know, it's just. It's just crazy just to think that yeah. you're just gone and then you wake up somewhere else in another galaxy somewhere in another universe you're just gone and you're, you're never going to go back to you know maybe if you have kids you have a wife something like that they're just you're just never going to see them again that's got to be scary yeah. to say the least this whole phenomenon has got weird layers to it like people who are 
know, take it on board and have hybrid babies. Yeah. Um, meet them periodically throughout their lives are taken on board of the craft and meet these children sure. that they have and become attached to them. Uh, so to have a, you know, star daughter, like one guy called mm -hmm. his, and a couple of people you know, in this most recent book were visited by their quote hybrid son <laughs> said, Oh yeah, we watch over you all the time. We'll never let anything happen to you. Both of them said that same thing sure. to their mothers. <laughs> <laughs> So that's crazy to even think about. Yeah. To have kids out there in the stars, you know, yeah, that's definitely weird. I mean, I guess one of the, like the last stories that I was really interested in was that, um, I forgot her name, but she was a woman that actually worked for the Army's Department of Defense. Is that, do you remember that? Yeah. Name? Yeah. Dolly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. She, she was a military family for sure. Um, her father was pretty highly placed in the military and uh, had a lot of strange experiences. She had UFO experiences from a very early age. And it was like, had missing time at age 12 and uh, started having all kinds of UFO sightings close up. Had a very close up sighting while, you know, she worked at Fort Benning. <laughs> hmm. uh, while I believe it was on the way to work. Yeah, on the way to work, she had this UFO show up and give her a weird message that said, uh, home is bad. Uh, now that didn't make. You know, what does that mean? She's like, earth, <laughs> earth. You know what are you talking about? Uh, yeah. You know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. And uh, she didn't know what to make of it until you know the next morning. She's it was ringing through her head, and her husband's name was attached to it. And it turned out he was poisoning her. Oof. Uh, she yeah. found that out after you know suffering some terrible symptoms and getting going to the doctor. Diagnosed with a heart attack and food poisoning and so on. And finally, she found the doctor's like, no, it's antifreeze. You've got antifreeze in your blood. There's only one way to get that. Yeah, uh, so someone poisoning. feeds it to you. Yeah. So it was a long, messy thing. But she feels this uh, UFO saved her life, essentially. Because yeah. right when, you know, after that message came, is uh, when she started getting really sick. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, it was definitely it's, there's some crazy stories in there, man. It's it's just reading through them. It's just kind of it seems like it's like fantasy, right? It's just this, like these things that just can never actually possibly happen, but they're you know they're actually real. There's a lot of people are having these experiences. There's probably a lot of people out there right now that have have had these you know these kind of experiences as well. They just haven't said anything yet. They actually haven't come forward. No, all these people in the book they have witnesses by the way yeah yeah <laughs> you know and some of them are very you know gr great uh very credible witnesses in terms of education things like this uh, and a lot of them have physical symptoms ramon went to the doctor the doctor's like you had surgery mm. you know, and ramon's like no no I <laughs> and the doctor's like yeah here's you know one two three surgical scars you know don't deny it where you know who did this and he's like well i don't know well, he knew. And another time he goes to the dentist and the dentist is like, wow, you have this giant, you know, foreign body right here, right above your heart, sort of blow your jaw there. And uh, we'd like you to come in for an MRI. He's like, well, no, I don't think so. <laughs> nah, weird. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that sort of thing happens, you know, that happened to Dolly. She pulled it something right out of her nose and held it in her hand and it kind of disintegrated right in front of her eyes. 
and she was taken the next day and re-implanted. So they put implants in people. Yeah. Man. Wow. That's definitely... That's no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely evidence. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, just to think about it. I mean, they, there's a whole lot of things out there. We have definitely no idea what's going on. We'll probably never know. Uh, hopefully we do one day, but just to think that these things are coming out and actually taking people to do who knows what and, you know, it's actually taking them where we don't know, but yeah, it's just the craziest thing, man. It's, I mean, I, I love the whole thing about UFOs and stuff like that. It's I definitely don't want to get taken by one, but I definitely enjoy all the stories and stuff, but <laughs> no, you wouldn't go. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on, like you said, how, how they feel at that time. You know, like a lot of people report that they're not actually scared. They just go like, all right, let's just go. And then they, you know, they take off, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't want know. to be anally probed or anything. No, no, not, definitely not. <laughs> not. Not that that happens a whole lot. You know, I looked into it. It's not, it's not a super common quote procedure. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, most of all, I, I think ultimately it's benign. I'm very hopeful about how all this turns out. Uh, I yeah. don't think they're here to take over our planet. I think people come away from this usually a better person, certainly more aware. Sure. Uh, sometimes healed. <laughs> usually traumatized mm-hmm, for the most part <laughs> uh but, but yeah it's i wouldn't say it's an, an evil force sure. uh, but it, you know it's sort of the normal bell curve of behavior that we see in humans honestly some are good and some are not you know it's yeah. not a pleasant experience right uh, it's not benevolent uh, so you get both sides for sure but it's skewed definitely more towards the positive be much easier for me to prove that humans are hostile sure. than it would be to prove that ets are right yeah yeah definitely that's definitely interesting i mean obviously it's it's very interesting i, I, I continue to you know i'm going to finish your book actually tonight uh, when i'm done doing all my thing here and it's it's uh all the stories so far have been great i mean i actually love it and i can recommend the book highly enough to everybody out there if you guys want to see like all these stories and stuff all the details definitely pick up the book i mean i i bought it like two days ago and i'm already almost done with it so it's it's definitely a good read um but uh mr dennett i really appreciate your time do you have like a website or anywhere like anybody can reach you at yeah i do if you just google my name it should take you there okay. uh, the actual address is prestondennett.weebly.com and you know, if you've got a question or a story or a comment, you can definitely contact me through the website. And sure. my books are available on Amazon.com for anyone who's interested. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely, I'm going to go ahead and link your website as well down below in the comments. I'll definitely be linking the book as well. Um, if you guys want to go out there and look on Amazon, you can find them out there. Find all his books. All his books are on there as well. They're all, all definitely good as well. Um, yeah, but Mr. Dennett, I really appreciate your time. Um, there were some great stories. Um, well, I definitely have to sit down and do this again. Maybe we bring out like another book or something. We can get some more stories in and, uh, we'll definitely like to have you back as well. Hey, anytime. I had a blast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, sir. And everybody, thank you very much for watching another episode of the Truth Defender Podcast. Like I said before, you can find us on Twitter at Defender Podcast, on Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, guests or topic recommendations, you can find us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Once again, coming to you from the heart of Texas, Dallas, Texas. 
It's your host, Paul Aguilar. Thank you very much. And we'll see you guys again. Adios. Adios.